As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Good morning, welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Monday the 23rd of October, I'm Tim Spears and on today's show... Just two points separate the top five in the Premier League. Uh, Two points off the top and Unai Emery's making Villa sing. Who won between two Italian giants? Juventus against Milan at San Siro, it was a test of both their title credentials. And football pays tribute to Sir Bobby Charlton. His modesty, his behaviour, his demeanour, all of that was really important to our collective perception of him. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Tim Spears. We'll tell you about some big results from across Europe shortly, but we start with the Premier League, where a late comeback from Arsenal at Stamford Bridge preserved their unbeaten record. It was a tale of struggling goalkeepers at the bridge with mistakes from Robert Sanchez and David Raya contributing to a 2-2 draw. Goals from Declan Rice and Leandro Trossard saw the Gunners peg Chelsea back with goals in the 77th and 84th minutes. It's tight at the top in the Premier League with Aston Villa now in fifth, just two points off the lead after their emphatic 4-1 victory over West Ham. Here's Villa writer Jacob Tanswell on yet another home win for Unai Emery's team. It was a cold and clinical performance from Aston Villa, 4-1 winners over West Ham and now all of a sudden the pitchers are looking extremely rosy, uh, two points off the top and Unai Emery's making Villa sing, especially Villa Park, 11 straight wins at home, the longest run since 1983 when they managed to go 13 games in a row and it was one of those games where West Ham had their moments, they got one back fortuitously, uh, Jared Bowen deflected stride to make it 2-1 uh, and at that point it could have gone either way but Unai Emery uh, managed to compose the team, keep playing the same way and they ripped West Ham apart on the counter towards the end, Ollie Watkins emphatic finish uh, and essentially Villa Park goes home happy once again, it's been one of those seasons where they're dominant at home, they managed to 
find and solve solutions in every game and it's contributing to the bedrock of their success but more importantly uh, towards their Premier League ascension I think they want to crack the top six and having such dominant home form is, is you're halfway there I guess. Manchester City lead the way thanks to their 2-1 victory over Brighton with Liverpool in third after yet another Merseyside derby victory against Everton. Salah to his right, this is Mo Salah, the derby is decided! And it's also tight at the top in Italy. Inter Milan beat Torino 3-0 on Saturday to move up to first place, but City rivals AC Milan couldn't displace them on Sunday. Keane letting it go and he's pulled to the floor there by Cha and a decision for the referee. Yep. It's going to be a straight red card. Freedom look, Atelli to have a strike. It's oh! a action and there's the breakthrough. It needed a bit of luck, but look, Atelli had a crack and Juve lead it to San Siro. Milan lost 1-0 at home to Juventus. Italian football correspondent James Horncastle can fill us in. Well, Serie A returned from the international break with one of the biggest games of the season. Juventus against Milan at San Siro. It was a test of both their title credentials. I know it's still very early in the season, but this was seen as how will both teams respond to Inter. In the end, it was Juventus that came out on top. Again, people will talk about whether this team can go all the way and can take on Inter. I can last the distance against Milan uh, as well. It was a, a special night for uh, Manuel Locatelli. Uh, Locatelli was playing against his former team. It was the only goal of the game. It was slightly fortunate. It was deflected. He got a square ball from Timothy Weyer. Uh, we should say that this was the first time ever four American players had started in a City A game. So you had Weyer and McKenney playing for Juventus, you had Yunus Musa and Christian Pulisic uh, playing for AC Milan. The game was changed really by a sending off in the first half. Weyer had uh, played a ball into the channel for Moise Ken. Ken was up against Malik Chow, got the better of him and Chow took him down and was sent off for denying a clear goal scoring opportunity. And so Juventus had the best part of an hour really to find the winning goal, which they did as mentioned via Locatelli. You know, whilst obviously you know, a lot of people feel that the team could play better given the talent that they have available, ultimately the Juventus motto is winning isn't important, it's the only thing that counts. And so, yes, the performance matters to an extent, but the Juventus results will always come first. And if results like the one against Milan can put them in tight contention, then so be it, they'll take it. Meanwhile in Spain, the Sergio Ramos derby finished one apiece as his new club Sevilla held Real Madrid. That allowed Minos Hirona to join level on points with the mighty Madrid at the top of the table thanks to their 5-2 win over rock bottom Almeria. Barcelona a third after a 1-0 victory against Athletic Bilbao. 17-year-old Spaniard Mark Hughes scored the winner just 33 seconds after coming off the bench. And in Germany, it was a day of the week that ended in Y, which meant Harry Kane scored yet again. Kane scored his ninth goal in eight Bundesliga games as Bayern beat Mainz 3-1. They remained two points behind early leaders Bayer Leverkusen. In the WSL, there were sizeable victories for Manchester United and Chelsea. Here's Jesse Parker-Humphreys with a full roundup. 
The WSL had its final weekend before the international break and it's Manchester City who find themselves top of the league heading into it. They had a 1-0 win over an impressive Leicester side who continue to look like a team that potentially might cause other problems. They had been unbeaten before that Manchester City win, had opportunities to score themselves, uh, but Manchester City were able to hold on there. There was also an impressive win for Manchester United who beat Everton 5-0 getting over that Champions League exit they had midweek. Chelsea join Manchester City at the top of the table level on points with them having come from 1-0 down against Brighton to win 4-2 there was a hat-trick there for 22-year-old defensive midfielder Shukunuskan who's been playing a little bit higher up the pitch than maybe some Chelsea fans expected to when she signed it wasn't the only 4-2 of the weekend in the WSL Spurs also beat Villa by that scoreline Villa still sat Joint bottom of the table with Bristol City, winless. Things looking a bit concerning for Carla Ward's side. And a shout-out for Martha Thomas, who got a hat-trick for Spurs in that game. It's her highest-ever WSL tally in a season, and we've only played four games. Arsenal did beat Bristol City, who, as I said, are still winless, 2-1 in somewhat of a laboured performance which was ultimately won by two fantastic finishes from Katie McCabe and a great sight for Arsenal fans to see the return of Viviana Miedemar from her ACL injury Beth Mead also getting minutes after she returned from the same injury last week at Villa one of Viv's first things to do on the pitch was to put through a fantastic pass that really should have probably ended up in a third Arsenal goal but just a taste there of what Arsenal fans have to look forward to Players heading off on their international breaks now to Nation League games for a lot of the teams, obviously, in Europe, including England. Some obvious matches a bit further afield with things like Olympic qualifying also on the horizon. And everyone will be back in two weeks' time. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. The weekend's football was overshadowed by the news that Sir Bobby Charlton, a true legend of the sport, has died aged 86. Charlton did it all. He won the World Cup with England, the European Cup and English titles with Manchester United. He broke numerous records and through it all, he remained humble and a true gentleman. Sir Alex Ferguson once said Charlton never used his fame to help himself. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shock, of course it is, and um, he's a great man, great person. It's a um, sad day for football. He is English football's greatest player and English football's greatest ambassador, more importantly, a champion on the pitch and off the pitch. Anyway, here's back to Charlton, this could be it, it is! And that could be the goal that put England in the final. Manchester United fans sang Charlton's name before and after their 2-1 victory at Sheffield United on Saturday night and the club will pay full tribute at games against Copenhagen and Manchester City at Old Trafford in the coming days. Our football writer Michael Walker has written a tribute to Charlton on The Athletic and he joins us now. Michael, Sir Bobby's record sort of went beyond numbers and achievements, didn't it really? It was it was how he did it? How he played, the way he conducted himself, the way he celebrated, the way he didn't celebrate, his modesty, his behaviour, his demeanour, all of that was really important to our collective perception of him as a player and as a sportsman, as an Englishman. I think everyone who who watched him wanted him to do well, you know, even if it was, you know, Scotsman, you know, playing against Scotland, there were Scotsmen on the team who wanted him to do well. That's a tribute to who he was and how he behaved. The way he moved was really balletic. And he combined that subtlety with this astonishing shooting ability with either foot, you know. So, he, you know, he, he was just an, like a, a genuinely great footballer. One of the things that stands out about him is how much the other great footballers appreciated him you know amongst his peer group which is very which is the elite george best did a 
a diary of the season 67, 68, and he calls Jordan magnificent in it and, and relates a story about De Stefano waiting for him to meet him, things like this. And that was about how he did it, not just what he did. Obviously, Munich happens, you know, right at the start of his sort of professional football career. It seemed like it's something he didn't really speak about until, you know, later in life. But obviously, it was something that, that had sort of shaped him the whole way through, really. I think he did talk about on a, on occasions. I've got a very rare book from 1960, um, a ghost-written book of his, that, where he talked about growing up and he talked about the crash in those terms and the the sadness and the loss. And you know, it took him a long time to actually produce a proper autobiography. So that so we're into the early 2000s, 2007, I think it came out, and it's him into his 60s reflecting on what happened when he was 20, you know, and he's in his late 60s, coming heading towards 70, you know, and it's it's um, it's still there. You can tell that it's still there and that it, it has an everyday effect on him. As he says, sometimes it's light, but sometimes it engulfs him. That was the, the phrase he used. Pelé called him uh, the spirit of football, as you say in your piece. How would you sum up the legacy that he's, that he's left behind? I think that is true to how we will remember him as a kind of um, element of him that goes beyond statistics and everything else you know and you know he won major honours because he was a really major player uh, and those were individual and collective and uh, and few will ever match them but it was how he made people how he affected people inside a football ground I think that's I think that's a really big thing. And I noticed uh, Pep Guardiola on, you know, talked about how he was like a pillar of English football. And that's what he was. You know, he's one of the reasons why other people from outside look at English football and view it as they do. He was one of the reasons. I think that's huge. And at club level, could Manchester United have, could they be the club they are without Bobby Charlton? No. He, he kept them going in the worst of times and then he brought them back to glory. So they just wouldn't be Manchester United without Bobby Charlton. Thanks, Michael. And you can read Michael's moving tribute on The Athletic now. It's titled Sir Bobby Charlton, Ordinary and Extraordinary. He embodied the spirit of football. The football continues tonight as Tottenham Hotspur look to return to the top of the Premier League table. Ange Postacoglu's team face Fulham at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and they do so without the suspended Yves Bissouma, one of their star performers of the season so far. If Marco Silva's Fulham cause a surprise and ends Spurs' unbeaten starts of the campaign, they'll move into the top 10. Kickoff is 8pm and you can watch the game on Sky Sports or on USA Network at 3pm Eastern Time in the States. Right, that's all for today. I've been Tim Spears, your producer was Mike Zimmerman and executive producer was Ian Mack. If you're new to the show, we'd love you to subscribe and come back for more, and feel free to leave us a review if you can. Speaking of Mike Zimmerman, he'll be with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. The Athletic.